historians. Writers like F.T. Marinetti, Tristan Sara and André Breton took their identities into their own hands. In their own respective groups, they laid out their thoughts in structured art theories and released them as art manifestos. Here, we pick apart these manifesto-led movements, the artists behind them and the works that they produced. I'm Thomas Greengrass. And I'm Ariel de la Garza. So what do we have today, Ariel? Today we are looking at futurist stage design written by Enrico Prampolini, uh, who was a painter and as a, well, thankfully, stage designer. Mm. Um, it was written in 12th of May, or published on 12th of May, 1915, in La Balsa Futurista, and then republished uh, in the first issue of Porocalaria uh, in April 1917, and then finally um, published in a kind of anthology in uh, Berlin in 1922. So my, this is later first wave futurism by yeah. this point. Boccioni's died, a few others have left, sort of 1914, 1916, they're all starting to drop off the originals. But Prampolini's carrying on and we've got some exciting stuff. Definitely. So should we begin with a little bit of a pithy summary about what's discussed in future Please. stage design? It's been a while since we've done one of these, but... Uh, there's never been proper stage design. The stage is not a photographic enlargement of reality. It's not just a mediator to theatrical sensation and expression, some spatial element to host a plot and characters. It's more than that. The stage designer and the dramatic author must come together. There should be a, a dynamic synthesis in theatre, and there are six conditions for the reform of the stage. The past and present reformers are just hacks. <laughs> they take a bit here and a bit there, and it amounts to nothing. You know, the stage designer is more than just a functionary. He's trying to kid himself. Uh, they must be mm -hmm. active, doing things that would produce a unified and intense theatre. Now, let me tell you what the renewed theatre will be. It's going to be a noisy, colourful turnstile. Mm-hmm. Then don't worry, it's, it's, it'll be great when it's done with fluorescent lights. I'll, I'll call it the dynamic stage. Now I prophesize, like Nostradamus, that the future theatre will be just the noisy, coloured turnstile, but with added smells. And the audience will go, wow. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you like the smells at the end as well, yeah? Yeah. He just throws that in as well. Suddenly you get some... There is a odors. fart joke. Yeah, yeah nice that. At the end it? of this. Mm -hmm. He's a charmer. But it's, it's quite a, a nicely written manifesto, actually. It's, it's much more in-depth than some of the others. It has the same kind of punchy, punky vitriol of the others. You know, lots of accusations of idiots. And mm -hmm. uh, it, it's, How would you say, when reading it, how does it read? Um, but yeah, yeah, it reads... A bit like that. Um, it's uh, it starts off with a usual um, abjuring of uh, lots of the people that are doing things in the moment, and then ends with well, then in the middle it has a very um, pretty pointed, interesting criticisms, um, and then in the end there's a very strange um, proposal for what to do with the stage. 
Um, And finally, a prediction that is entirely bizarre and um, almost only provocative, I think, because it just seems so, so completely strange. Well, of course, we will be comparing. But quite, quite beautiful. Yeah, well, it's, uh, quite beautiful. Okay, I don't that's know. an interesting one. In, 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 in a way, I have, I have a, 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 an optimistic and a, a, a kind and an unkind reading of it in the end. Okay, let's, okay yeah. we, we'll hear both, because there's lots to compare it to. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we'll not only be looking at it from the point of view of a, a historical analysis and a, a theoretical criticism, but also what sorts of things contemporary set designers, directors, artists, playwrights could actually learn from. Sure. You know, how could you spice up your work if you feel that you're a bit complacent what new techniques could you actually start employing mm-hmm. it's all about what gaseous neon lights can oh, you bring onto your definitely not stage yeah. it strikes me that there are four principal points to the manifesto uh, the first is that the stage should be part of the drama and under this uh, we deal with the role of the stage designer how that relates to musicians poets and in particular the dramatic author Uh, And the second is that there are unique properties of the stage and uh, that these must be utilised, employed. And for what reasons and what sorts of properties does he think? Mm -hmm. Uh, And we should really deal with those two points together because they do blend in. But the third is an account of what these properties are and how to use them. So it's not quite clear that if his argument that there are unique properties of the stage, if that's successful, that necessary his account of what these are mm-hmm. is the one that we should go for uh, and then the fourth is as you've already suggested this this prediction about the future of the stage which i in my pithy summary said yeah just these noisy colorful to- turnstiles mm-hmm. turnstile stages with n- noises and uh, smells and yeah. audiences going wow and colors and surprises yeah but yeah so let's let's begin then uh with uh, uh by blending these, you know, that the stage should be part of the drama and uh, that there are unique properties of the stage. So he starts with this uh, criticism that hitherto there has not really been stage design. He thinks that really it's, it's been underutilized. All you really have historically is what he calls this photographic enlargement of a rectangle of reality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's... And I know that you're keen on this, uh, this, this uh, reading, that actually what he's really having a go at is naturalism yeah. and realism. Yeah, so the photographic enlargement of a rectangle of reality. Mm. I'm, I'm imagining a room um, in a house that is probably, um, if, it's, if it's naturalistic, then it's probably a little bit messy and a little bit disheveled or very imperious if it's meant to be an aristocratic household. Things like this. Um, and that the stage designer's role for a very long time, well, not for a very long time, for a specific period in the 1900, in the um, 19th century, was to make this um, as realistic as possible. So they would make a model, a very detailed model, and then you try to make that happen. Hmm. Um, there were stories of, um, at least in, in, in the Russian naturalistic theater, uh, a story by told by Alexander Tyrov, a great Russian director of the time, mm-hmm. um, that he found this completely ridiculous, but they would, he was in a traveling theater troupe, and uh, they would lug these giant logs from town to town. So when the, uh, so for the cabin on the, in, in the play that was on stage, um, so the actor could, you know, bang on them and they wouldn't shake. And it was so important to lug these huge tree trunks 
from town to town for the sake of, of realism. <laughs> oh, it was essential for the for the plot, Ariel. You well, had to essential, do that. Essential, Otherwise, yeah. yeah. I just found it so completely ridiculous <laughs> that's what was happening. Um, so, in 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 a way, um, uh, yeah, I forgot his name for a second. Prampolini is not. Uh, really, I mean, he, he's having a go at the naturalistic theater, which I think is a perfectly good thing to do. Um, he's a bit late to the party. It's not as new a thing. Um, the people that he that he also goes on to excoriate um, have all had several goes at the naturalistic theater. And so I think it's best to place this within a kind of unfolding drama and um, crisis of theater in the early 20th century and then one that perhaps might be even more intense um, after the first world war Um, so after this war concludes there's an even greater kind of series of convulsions in the stage and um, the naturalism of before decisively gives way to new forms Um, uh, yeah but when you say that they've had a go at it, do you mean that they've tried rejecting it, repudiating it, or that they've tried to actually utilize it or use it? I know that you're picky about those that word. words. Yeah. Yeah. Use uh, naturalist theatre uh, and perhaps just push it into new areas. No, co- no com- completely destroy it. I mean, they wanted to destroy Mayor Hold, who he talks about here, completely changes um, uh, naturalistic theatre, really, and gets rid of almost the... Uh, precisely the rectangular box, the rectangle of reality, that disappears. There are no more um, models. In fact, apparently he would uh, go with his actors and they would destroy the models from the bottle workshop. uh, Yeah, we're getting rid of these protruding stages, proscenium arches. No. No, none of that. But then replaces them with these kind of huge compositions, um, like strange scaffoldings that are really, really pretty wonderful. I mean, they they look fantastic. It looks fantastic. Um, and replaces the stage almost with the actors. So the actors for him take on a different role whereby they're almost automata. I mean, they're almost like puppets and they move in strange mechanical ways. His whole discipline was called biomechanics. And so... um, so these are these are these renewals of complete of complete renewals. I mean, and, and radical, stage. yeah, radical changes. And so, you what what you would have be I don't know a, a I guess a a Chekhov play or something over mm-hmm. a dinner table um, ends up being this really kind of almost constructivist um, composition on a stage with dozens of actors moving kind of like puppets in coordination, and so. Whilst it is a complete change, it also has serious limitations. I mean, the, the actor becomes a puppet, um, which is terrible. Now, Rampolini's not having any of that. No, but 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 Rampolini, but Rampolini, but it's guys are not yeah. doing enough. But it's interesting because um, a lot of those problems people were having with the naturalistic theater. Um, obviously, everyone writes it from their own corner of the theater, right? So Rampolini thinks, oh, the stage designer is the most important. Uh, obviously, that's not true. I mean. No, the, the I stage don't think designer, he has to say that they're the most important. No, but he does in a way. I mean, at the end, his his final version of acting, uh, sorry, his final version of theater is ninety percent, um, or at least you know, stage I, I, design. I'm not sure about that. I think okay. that because he wants to talk about this absolute synthesis, this dramatic synthesis, and so perhaps we should we should tie it together. 
When I guess the, the, the last thing I want to say here yes. is um, everyone seems to think that it is their corner of the theater which is the most dead, which most needs enlivening. And were it enlivened, finally this crisis of the theater would be overcome. So whilst you, have this, yeah. while you have this going on, you also have huge revolutions in acting, mm. right? Which arguably were much more long-lasting. Um, well, I mean, he mentioned Stanislavski. In sure, this, but so Stanislavski, so I mean, today, that, sure, that kind of acting is still the predominant force in acting today. Um, people want to act in that way. I mean, slightly different methods for achieving it or whatever, but that, that won, in, in, in a sense. So, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's very interesting. But I do think um, uh, that he's right to focus on stage design, uh, when, when doing this, because it has, I think, a lot of the time been underrepresented in terms of innovation. It, it is too often just seen as uh, a mediator. You know, it's just setting for your plot mm-hmm. and your characters. Yes. Uh, and, I mean, okay, we mentioned this last week. You know, uh, we've got this Aristotelian Shakespearean uh, 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 reductive account or, or distinction that, you know, Aristotle's very plot heavy. Uh, that's his account of uh, of theatre and drama, whereas Shakespeare seems very much more focused on characters rather than plots, um, to some extent a false dichotomy. But here he's he's really looking at what the stage could actually do, uh, and really I think that there are uh, there's a precursor here to a lot of later cinema theory, mm. film theory, because. When thinking about what the stage does, you are thinking about essentially what sorts of shots you're getting and also what sorts of moods you're eliciting. And so I think that those are some of the themes that he unknowingly is dealing with. I guess, I guess definitely, oh, he's pretty, pretty clear about it. I think the, with the relation to cinema, it's, I, um, it's an interesting one because I think what a lot of what he talks about here, and let's see if I can on the fly find one of these quotes but mm-hmm. a lot of what he's talking about here I think is what we would call um, atmosphere just merely atmosphere I don't know if he even I think he might even use he the word he does use the word he does atmosphere. use the word but it's, it's it would be the kind of atmosphere of a film for instance so it's just the, See, the way it radical. feels and seems he has to be much more radical um, he is because uh, he, is. he, he is wants right. it to be a carrier of meaning more so yes, than just absolutely. than just atmosphere. The right? stage design, and this is why I also disagree that if we fix stage design, all of it will come together. I don't think he thinks that. I think rather that uh, he thinks you need to raise all of them to this equivalent level. So rather than just focusing on the actors and uh, the play itself, the, the the written play, he does mention the music. He is also, and he just thinks that the stage has been underutilized. It's almost an argument about not wasting materials. Mm-hmm. But this is why I, I then wanted to bring it into um, what the properties of the stage are. Because he's quite clear. He says, it is no longer a matter of reforming only the structural concept of stage design, but of creating an abstract entity that can be identifiable with the action taking place on stage in the theatrical work. And then he goes even further. Um, He says, In its dynamic synthesis, the stage design should live out the dramatic action, should become an integral part of it in the same way that the author becomes one with and comes alive in the intrinsic immediacy, the mind of the character imagined by the author. So it's, it's not that he's saying that stage design is the most important element. It's rather that he thinks that they all need to be 
well played. You need to use all of them to actually create this overall effect and this heightened uh, dramatic theatre. So, so the, the one reason I want to push back against that is because he doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't think of acting at all. For act, him, acting is is like, I mean, he wants to even get rid of actors and make yeah, them... Yeah, we, we, should, we should mention that a little bit so now. Think, but, but I mean, th- there, there seems to be no director in his world. There's this, just this transmission directly from author to play... Um, it, yeah, it's. It I don't know how doesn't, doesn't seriously quite, directors were taken in those days. Immensely seriously, I mean, Stanislavski was a director. Yeah, and I know. Mayor Hold is a director. I mean, th- these are all directors that he's speaking of. So, uh, immensely seriously, yeah. But at the same time, I mean, the playwright also had quite a lot of, uh, uh, to do with their work, and so it's, uh, it's yeah, a but tricky the, one. Yeah, yes, but the staging isn't done by a stage designer. No, it's done by true. the director, and the stage designer is more a subservient. Um, that's kind of, true. But so, so, so I guess I want to push back against this being a true artistic synthesis. I don't think but that's I th- what that he's is, calling I, for. He, I mean, he in, does. In a way, but not... Okay, so he's calling for a kind of artistic synthesis, but he's not calling for a synthetic theater. Uh, like we had last week. N- not quite. Not quite. Or well, like he doesn't we mention on the, the, the structure of plays themselves, which I think is worth discussing a little bit later, uh, because whilst he seems to repudiate a lot of the naturalist set design, he doesn't immediately say that you can't actually put on any naturalist plays. And in fact, in one of his six conditions for reforming the stage, uh, he even mentions that in the second one... Uh, uh, no, apologies, it's not the second one. Uh, it is the. It is it is indeed the first one uh, to abjure the exact reconstruction of what the dramatic author has imagined. So we're rejecting their thoughts, but it doesn't say that we can't do it. Use the play, and so resolutely to abandon any kind of realistic relation, any rapport between object and dramatic motif, mm-hmm. or vice versa, a rapport which only lessens the direct emotion of mediated sensation. So the sensation is key for him. And I think that does relate to synthetic theatre, where that is really, that's where uh, theatre is carried out. It mm-hmm. should be in its sensation, in the theatrical sensation. But yeah, he, nowhere does he say that you can't actually use these older plays. And so I did think, well, maybe you could actually try and use some of his techniques here, but then, you know, use them as translations of these works you're no longer, mm-hmm. you know, what would a Chekhov play look like with this dynamic stage that he proposes? These strange lights mm-hmm. and uh, uh, obscure, difficult noises and this mechanical, lumbering, moving stage. So I'm not even entirely sure. It's not like the synthetic theatre where suddenly we have got these new synthi- syntheses, these new types of plays that are very short. So, uh, you no, know, sure. So I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean that, that kind of synthetic theatre at all. Um, okay. I meant a different kind of synthetic theater that uh, was emerging in Russia at the time. So it's, you have a kind of theater which is, you can call it stylized, that would be Meyerhold. So it's the stylized theater as opposed to the naturalistic. And in the stylized theater, um, in a way, set design becomes, although there is no square box that is a set, no model kind of thing, um, the stage design becomes massively important and sort of the visual expression of the play becomes very important and the way, and very abstract. And so 
the way that all these people are laid out and so on on the stage um, does begin to become... So it, it, it is a kind of expression of mood of the playwright's uh, intent in some way um, at the expense of acting because now it's kind of the image, the style of it that is rising above the acting. And then the synthetic... The, the, and, and then kind of on the other side you have the naturalistic um, sort of, which is very much to do with the, sort of the acting and so on, but realistic, and you kind of don't let the other arts of the theater, perhaps the music, the stage design, the costume, say much. Well, yeah, right? They, they, the they only just thing... take on a secondary effect. Exactly, it's completely say, secondary. Uh, the, the, and then there is synthetic theater, right? which would be the idea of trying to bring all of these and all other theatrical arts into a union um, to create the theater in the end, right? Um, that's what so I meant. clear on that one. Yes. So you've got music, you, you might even have acrobatics or ballet, dance, all these other different theatrical arts that you kind of weave together to make the whole. Well, true. The I mean, it's synthetic as opposed to analytic, where we're breaking things apart. When synthetic, it is to it's be unified. To, to, to unify. It is to be yeah. complete. Exactly. It's to be one. Exactly. Um... But yeah, exactly. he is focused on that again. He okay, okay, but, not, 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 but, but not exactly. Synthesis. But not exactly. But not exactly. He doesn't really take into account like it, his theater isn't one of the ultimate expression of all the different. No, but artistic... that's not what he thinks. Because ah, no, I know, I know. But this is this is where I'm. This is where I'm. I'm finding the difference. Okay, uh, but him and we have what to this be aware be. that he doesn't focus on this too much. But this seems to be the thing that lies beneath it all. That the purpose of theatre, uh, or what theatre is at its highest point, is this very particular kind of theatrical expression. And in it, the actor is not perhaps mm-hmm. even, they could be, uh, you could have them, but actually then you might not even need them to actually have this go. pure theatrical expression. Right, right, there we go. And so that's really what he wants at the end of the day. But I want to, I want to linger on, um, on the, so we've got the, purpose of the stage it is to have this kind of uh unified sensation where all the elements are actually being uh, being uh, carried out to their highest point insofar as they actually do heighten and intensify and express uh theatrical sensation mm-hmm. so that's our purpose but what are then the properties of the stage because he thinks that, you know, it's, you, you shouldn't be having the stage that's merely just this, this mediator for your plot or your characters. Rather, um, it, it has to be more integral. That There are unique things that are part of the stage that do contribute, that are conducive to this theatrical mm-hmm. expression. Now... This is what we would dis- uh, mentioned briefly earlier. There's a difference between suddenly thinking, ah, there are unique properties to a stage that have been underused in the past. Uh, and then it's a very different thing to then accept what his proposed account of these properties are, uh, is. So, first of all, I-, I would like to just focus on really doubling down on what this idea of the properties of the stage would be because a lot of people do just think of it as a mediator. It is just the setting, a lot of them think. You need somewhere for these people to stand. 
you need somewhere for the action to take place. Mm-hmm. What else can you have on a stage besides perhaps, you know, if it's set in the 17th century story, perhaps having some 17th century uh, furniture and clothing, that's sure. going to help. But that's all secondary effect. I want to draw, uh, I was going to originally draw an analogy with painting, where modernism, you know, one of the dominant marks of modernism is it's not just about the canvas and paint as a mediator for whatever ideas want to be expressed uh, or, or portrayed. Rather, that a lot of modern art does want to also highlight the materials used. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them want you to see that this is a painted work. It is not just uh, a mimesis, it's not just a representation, it is also itself. And this mm-hmm. comes to connect it with last week. It has to be autonomous. It has to be its own thing as well. Mm. Uh, and so r- instead of painting, because he actually specifically has a dig at painting, uh, I want to make a connection with words. So uh, uh, we can, in this way, actually, language and literature has been way ahead of a lot of the other arts. Because uh, we use contingent words that represent concepts. Like think of when we, we talk, we can, we can think about the concept of snow, but then there are the words for snow that we use. Snow, śnieg in Polish. Uh, or think about two, uh, the concept of two versus T-W-O or du, or the numeral two or dwa. Uh, yet each of these has a unique oral quality or a visual quality of its own. And so in language, there are these sonic devices that we use all the time. Think assonance, consonance, alliteration, mm-hmm. sibilance. And these are properties of those particular contingent words that we use to express the concept, not of the concept itself. And so the vehicle that we use to actually discuss these concepts, they, they seem to have unique properties. Right. And so it, it, when, when you get uh, uh, you know, alliteration... Uh, so so r- r- repeti- r- r- yes. roughly saying that the stage um, that here he tries to outline... Um, the many ways the stage can be a carrier of meaning? Yes, what it actually has, unique things. So I I wanted to draw this analogy with Mm -hmm. words. So, okay, there are these sonic properties that are particular to the words themselves that we Mm -hmm. use, but not to the underlying concept. Sure. And so I think this is also what he wants to really get at, that there are are things about the stage. Um, And so, uh, you know, uh, we... Once you actually start to feel that, I, I don't want to push immediately on what mm. some of these properties are. I want to leave it open. But I think that this is actually a really fantastic uh, thought that uh, is sort of embedded within his work here. Mm. And if you are a modern uh, a designer uh, or a playwright and you're thinking, well, okay, perhaps I could really add something to my plays or add something to what a play that's depicted or being performed by thinking about maybe I can actually use or think about the properties that are particular to the stage itself in order to actually help heighten and express dramatic uh, 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 dramatic ideas. Certainly. So that's certainly, I think that that's one of the big takeaways because his actual theory, I think, is pretty poor, to be honest. Yeah, I. Because uh, you haven't, we we hadn't discussed this before. No, what true. do you think of that association? Um, yeah, I think so. I mean, it. it uh, yeah, he's identifying that the stage um, and the stage design can uh, also, and I, I, I guess does and can carry meaning um, mm. just as much, well, not just meaning, but dramatic action. Yeah, it's got particularities um, to it. And, yeah, and it's a shame not to use them and actually sure. to employ them, um, uh, or rather to have accidental ones 
coming out. It True. then leads to muddled plays. Yeah. Because you've got other things. And he actually but, makes a big deal of it. But in I guess. The third what, point. Right. But I guess also uh, what, what I was going to say is. Um, he recognizes this. This, this is true. I, I agree. Um, but interestingly, I don't find it as revolutionary. I think Why? the people... Well, because everyone he mentions was doing the same thing. I mean, it's, it's not really... I don't know if they were thinking about the properties of the stage. I mean, they, he doesn't draw that were, analogy with the they words. They were explicitly thinking about the properties of the stage in making the, the, the changes that they made. Um, explicitly. I mean, the discussions were very much along these lines. But the difference is... Um, I think those discussions end up having end up being more productive. So than his, yes, because yeah. where he ends up, I think, is ridiculous. Well, I had to really entice a lot of this out yeah. because it's not always it's not the easiest one to read at points. No, no, it's quite it's quite dense. But but you you want to talk about the, yes, the, the yeah? The, so the, I, the I guess in a way we we agree. I'm not really. It, it's it's interesting and cool. He's definitely right that there are there is dramatic potential. In well, the can, stage I just, and, can I just outline the third yes, one then? Go for so it. He, this is where he also talks about a- absolute synthesis. This is in his uh, third uh, of his six uh, uh, necessary conditions for reforming the stage. That within the expressive materials of the stage, not a pictorial synthesis that encompasses every element, but one that excludes any elements which make up the stage's architecture when they cannot convey new impressions. Okay, what's he talking about here? It's not immediately apparent. It's a little bit dense and uh, and hidden. But the, the, what I take away from that is that we really want to focus on what uh, uh, what materials are expressing that are part of the stage at that present moment, and obviously the audience is looking. They are they're watching the play. They're seeing things being performed. Mm-hmm. If there are elements that do actually have uh, add some sort of uh, uh, meaning or have some sort of expression uh, that aren't actually necessary for that point, then really you should have a design or, or a, such a play uh, that works where you're not really looking at it. So your absolute synthesis is not actually unifying all parts at all times, but actually so that you don't even notice certain things when it's not actually there. Because it, it's very tricky because he refers to it as not a pictorial synthesis that encompasses every element, but one that excludes any elements which make up the stage's architecture when they cannot convey new impressions. Right. Okay. So it has to be. It, no, it's, it's, it's clearer now. It's interesting. I, it's it's, well, it's um, a tricky one to read. I know. But yeah. I think it's. That, I mean. That, so that that. Um, bit better now. Uh, yeah. No. It, it was. It was not unclear. Just. I think what he is saying, mm. the best version of what he's saying is he's. He's outlining some kind of expressionism. Yes. And absolutely. And that makes a lot of sense. I mean, expressionism is kind of. At what is is uh, so right? What he's describing, what you've just read, is a process of abstraction, mm-hmm. right? Where you remove the extraneous, but you keep meaning, kind of. Um, and so, uh, abstraction doesn't really work if you have everything else around it, kind of. Um, you know, if if you're depicting, I don't know, a table abstractly or something. Sorry, uh, uh, um, the office of a lawyer abstractly. And you draw the entire office. It's not abstraction, right? You have to kind of pull away and get down to that kind of core symbol that you want to somehow get across. I, th- I think that's kind of what he's, what he's talking about. Maybe. I'm, I'm even thinking, again, because he doesn't go into enough detail here, but I'm even thinking that there could be things that are part of the stage and on the stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet, 
and they're still visible, but you, the audience, shouldn't really be focusing on them. Sure, no, I, but I, I, I think I think that's precisely a process of abstraction. Say, like, it's a bit like lawyer... you're talking in the pub and there's yeah. music playing, but you're not focusing on the music because you're having a conversation. Like, like a, a, I don't know, a lawyer. Right? You want a, you want a symbol of a lawyer or something. So first you start with the whole desk mm. and everything. Okay, ju- I'm gonna say judge because that's I, I was saying judge in my head. So you say a judge, you start with that and everything, um, but then you can probably just get down to the gavel. Yes. So why do you need the rest of it? The rest of it isn't communicating yeah. anything. And more importantly for him, it might be. But it might be the wrong thing, right? See, so you stick with the gavel and that's it. You just have a giant gavel on stage, which sounds fun. I think it's very useful. Yeah. Because you've mentioned the symbolism and you've used the, mm. the example of the gavel. Um, and I, I want to w- mm. deal with symbolism and expressionism a little bit here together so i think the best example would be something like edvard monk's the scream mm-hmm. everyone's familiar with these variations on the scream now it's people go what is symbolism what, what does it do well it is fundamentally expressionist that kind of orange waved sky that's being depicted mm-hmm. in the background and this kind of alien uh, reduced form that seems to be emitting this... That screaming. This, well, this I, either hearing a scream or itself emitting one or, or both. A silent howl. Yeah, Yeah, and it's, it, you know, is the sky actually orange at that point? Is this how this person looks? What are we to make of that? There's some sort of expression. You're meant to take away something along the lines of this either howl of a, the human condition or of nature itself... And so that's really where the expression comes in. It's not in the particularities that are depicted there per se. You're not meant to be looking at that. And it's the same sort of with the theatre here. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that's a good connection to draw. That, you know, these the stages and things like that, that should again create that sort of sense. And there's a great phrase where he says, you know, it has to, you know, create this internal atmosphere, this the ambience of the work. Mm-hmm. But it's a little more than just the setting. It really does create... Because he thinks that essentially that ambience uh, is uh, is the fulfillment mm-hmm. of dramatic potential. Mm. That's the purpose of theatre. We can think that he's wrong about that. Uh, I think the, 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 the purpose of theatre is is uh, this um, uh, this uh, expression of uh, of these kind of more symbolist expressionist. Uh, 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 ideas. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be about a kind of you know, it's not like Aristotle, where there's going to actually be some sort of didactic uh, moral element, where actually you come okay, out a better person, sure. or that you know that there's even necessarily an, uh, other kinds of aesthetic. Uh, it's it seems something else. But this is also why you might lose actors in certain ways, because he there's a fundamental it, it, intimation towards a different form of theatre, and that's why I wanted to mention that he seems to be really geared towards sensation and expression, mm-hmm. which is really I think what all the futurists. <coughs> Move towards more and more completely. And yeah. they get uh, they're they're very uninterested in narrative. Yeah, and initially then, um, it it wasn't like that, but as they sort of mature and especially as they move towards second and third generation, it seems to be so much more dedicated to this. You know, Marinetti talks about the machine sensibility. I think, and I think that is a, a perfect segue into mm. um, what he's actually proposing. Yes, because oh dear. because oh dear, oh dear. So, so I'm going to start with a um, okay, a brief, brief description of what he's what he proposes here. Um, might as well just read it. Um, 
The stage will no longer have a colored backdrop, but a colorless electromechanical architectural structure enlivened by chromatic waves from a source of light, produced by electric reflectors with colored filters arranged and coordinated in accordance with the mood demanded by every dramatic action. Um, yeah, and then the luminous, and this one, yeah. one, I mean, this one too, because it's important. Yes. The luminous radiance from these bands and planes of colored lights and the dynamic combinations of the fleeting colors will give marvelous effects of interpenetrating and intersecting light and shade, creating desolate voids or blocks of light that are corporeal, exultant. So I think it's, it's fascinating because it, it looks... Um, what a disappointment. It is really it's so because reading the stuff before, oh I thought, my God. my God, we're about to we're about to hear expressionism, which might be my like my favorite. It, it's I, I love it. It looks fantastic. Oh, don't I think worry, it's really I will get there soon enough. <laughs> but, I mean, in a way, I think we are there. Um, but then he comes out with this. So the optimistic version of it is that it does yeah. sound to principle me, of charity. Let's yes, remember. Yeah, it does sound to me when I try to picture what he wants. Mm-hmm. I do imagine almost a futurist painting in motion. Yes. So you can imagine like uh, Boccioni's, it's a serendipitous, dear listeners, but uh, there is a chromatic... Uh, it, it, Optical it, illusion. Yes, <laughs> in the sky as we speak. Um, it, it, it seems it's a rainbow. Yes. It's a, we're looking at a <laughs> yes, rainbow. Yeah, yeah, yes. we're, we're unbearable. But yeah, <laughs> so it's... Um, it's nice. It's yeah, I, I, I imagine something like Boccioni's soccer player happening before you, you know, mm-hmm. um, lights flashing quickly, enlivening something on stage. Um, I mean, that would be a hell of a thing to see. Yeah. Um, something like that. But <laughs> then you think about it a bit more and what they would have realistically been able to accomplish, even what we can realistically accomplish. And it, it does start to look a bit tacky okay let's 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 stick with the principle of charity here so sure yeah which by the way yeah um this 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 man who's uh, uh, Prampolini. Uh, Prampolini, thank you um he he was quite a wonderful painter yes um he has a portrait of ft marinetti that i originally thought was mussolini um which must have been a great flattery to uh, marinetti <laughs> Yeah. Um, but really, really you pretty. Think all bald people look alike. <laughs> I do think all bald people look like Mussolini. It's true. Okay, listeners, write in for next episode. Do all bald people look like Mussolini? Oh dear. Mm. That's the Manifest Image Podcast at gmail.com oh, Yes, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, he's a he's a pretty wonderful painter. He is a wonderful painter, and you've seen some of his set designs, and you Which quite is like them. Expressionist, it's yes, completely it expressionist. Well, hold yeah. on, we will get on to that. I, I do want to just stick to yeah, this a whole bit more of this the whole theory. light thing. Seems like he had a a bit of an idea, and then thought, oh, I bet the futurists would like it. Yeah, I, I bet I, the futurists would love it. Let's put it in their journal. So yeah, I mean, he tries. He, he's always interweaves his theory with some of the practical, technical descriptions of it. So the colorless electromechanical architectural structures. So essentially, he's talking about fluorescent lights uh, that are opaque, 
sort of white cloudy tubes until you run a current through them. Exactly, uh, and, then they're, yes. and then they're of different colors. And exactly, and he also seems to have these ideas of different, getting different, different waves and Panels and maybe Absolutely. like a smoke machine or something like this. Well, this is what I was yeah. going to suggest. At this point, it seems that he's looking at something like what would become a Pink Floyd gig. Yeah, or, you know, which is pretty cool. And I was thinking, you know, what is the closest that we actually got to some of the stuff? Yes, a Pink Floyd gig, you know. <laughs> and, okay, he talks about random noises... And see, we were listening see, to... listeners, this is, this is yeah. uh, interesting to finally hear this because uh, we have a shared document where we have uh, oh. certain vague notes. And as I was quickly scanning through, through uh, this episode's notes, I saw Pink Floyd gig written down. I thought, huh, I wonder where he's going to bring that in. Yeah. yeah. Well, we were listening to Wish You Were Here and... Uh, Just a, a little dark look side behind the, the candelabra, you yeah. know. Yeah, and Dark Side of the Moon. And, I mean, you do get found noises that are part of it. And this is, a, you know, quite... You know, there are parallels that you could draw there with art of noises. Mm. And, you know, that seems to be what he's relating to when he's talking about the different noises coming together. It does seem like a kind of a Pink Floyd gig. But it's more than that because he also does have some sort of respect for uh, uh, geometric shapes themselves. He wants the stage to move and to have some sort of mechanical animated structure. He calls it a dynamic stage. Which is very interesting. That is very interesting. He opposes it to the static stage. He thinks of that. So, you know, things like the, uh, you know, just a protruding stage or an arena. These are stages that don't move. They're just settings for your actions. It's sort of a container. He thinks, no, 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 it has to actually be animated and that will have expressive qualities to it. And so, yeah, he, he, and he respects his geometric moving arms and shapes. So we can, you know, there's this kaleidoscopic element. And anyone mm-hmm. who's looked to a, through a kaleidoscope might actually have a kind of a pseudo uh, theatre that he's oh, looking sure. for. Right. Um, but it's difficult to tell whether there's any real... N- is, maybe it's theatrically expressive in some sense. Well, there, there is are... there theatre that we would recognise? Mm. We typically are so dedicated to plot and character. But but I think again. So you mentioned earlier that he doesn't preclude staging other plays, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't mention it. Mm-hmm. Whereas the others, they are very much like, no, no, no. We want these syntheses plays. We want yeah. new types of I plays, think, new I think, genres. Let's 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 think. I just because he doesn't mention, yeah. uh, uh, he doesn't um, sign up, I guess, to mm. the. Uh, futurist synthetic theater, not to be confused with the other synthetic theater I confusingly brought in. Yes. Um, uh, and, you know, this one is after the other one, right? Yes. So, I, it, 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 perhaps he does not subscribe to that idea. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't. Or at least it's not his focus at this sure, point. Sure, exactly. Maybe I mean, he, it's he, more general. Yeah, because he's probably also, also wants to put on things people will actually go see. Um, <laughs> I mean, the in synthetic theatre, they wonder whether you could squeeze down a Shakespeare play into you know one single synthesis. Sure. And so you know, I don't know, Hamlet just kills himself at the end. <laughs> that's yeah, really what yeah. you get. That's your play. Um, but but in in any case, I think he he would be open to staging many things. And so mm. I think that we would could be imagine we could imagine these movable stages with lights and colors. Um, yeah. And mechanical yeah, lighting, arms. mechanical arms things. What's interesting you can as well, like the background to Metropolis, Fritz Lang's Metropolis, but actually with you know these coloured lights. Well, I mean, he's, he, that he likes colour is interesting and and good because colour is yeah very powerful. Um, so it's good that he uses it because yeah, a lot of people black didn't. and white about colour. <sighs> Sorry, <laughs> you're welcome, Ariel. I lost the will to live. <laughs> oh, it was really on the edge. Yeah. Now, now I did it. Uh, so, 
Yeah, but... He does quite like the geometric shapes. He seems to suggest these bands and one, waves. Yeah, and one of the reasons why I'm for that. why I'm uh, hesitant about mm. uh, sort of extra hesitant about this um, is because one of the main drivers for development in other in these these other movements that he kind of poo poos, um, you know, he's taking a hell of a lot from them. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main drivers there was things particular to the theater, right? So not just kind of a vague desire to revolutionize it, but also sort of people moved away from, say, Mayerhold a bit later on because of what it did to acting, right? Or they want to move away from um, uh, naturalism because they want to explore new ways of meaning. So I, I think perhaps this kind of stage design might uh, overshadow uh, acting, might mess with it in some ways. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, there is and, that. And I think that could be a... That could, in the end, make for a much worse theatre than, than I think, think it's going to know? dry up very quickly. Yeah, exactly. You're going exactly. to run it's out of very, place. It's not a very fertile ground yeah. for this. It might be interesting as experiments uh, and occasional, and you might course. get some really interesting... Forms. I would like, like to incorporate a little bit of this into certain moments can be... I mean, it well, is expressionism. Have, that is yeah. expressionism, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think so. But yeah, I, I, was go- I wasn't going to necessarily draw this parallel, but I think that there's this sibling relation to ideas like pathetic fallacy, personification. Mm-hmm. We're raising up the properties of the stage, but of course, you know, to the equivalent of an actor... But in this case, you know, it's almost a pantheistic sort of thing that there's meaning, this expression that's protruding from the whole thing and it all has to be unified together. It all has to come together. And so there is something very focused there. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did mention the relationship between the author of the work, uh, the dramatic author and the stage designer. But he also talks about musicians and poets later on. And so all of them have to come together and I think this is something that he's definitely in line with the other mm-hmm. futurists. Think Marinetti and uh, uh, the opera composer and the librettist. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, he says, you know, you want them to be the same person ultimately. And so he, you know, we don't necessarily get them being put into one person, but certainly that they should all be on equal footing and be of the same mind, as it were. Yes. Um, and it's it's a nice way, and you know he's he seems to be dedicated. He doesn't use the phrase, but to a kind of organic unity. Yeah, he he, he certainly wants it all to come together. He calls it the absolute synthesis, the dramatic theatre. All of that I mean, comes he together. he does he does, but also, I, I think he 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 takes these lights to such a. I mean, it, that's so abstract. Yes, that's so so abstract. I think it's very difficult to actually convey meaning. At that level, I mean, it's a little bit of our discussion with about abstract expressionism in the last episode. That mm. boy, does it get difficult to tell what anything is meant to mean at a certain point. It's um, worth keeping all of yeah. these ideas, uh, you know, close to hand sure. because with movements, so sure, it's, it's an organic like unity. Constructivism, the steel, mm-hmm. uh, and then uh, by the time you get into uh, mod- modern art, uh, sorry, uh, contemporary art. What's actually being, what meaning is being conveyed? Mm-hmm. You know, when you've got, say, uh, uh, you know, these geometric abstract artists like uh, 
Malevich, Kandinsky, how much is actually being conveyed? Yes. It's worth, you know, your, your initial worry about, I'm not sure how expressive it is and whether it's thick enough. Uh, maybe there are these unique properties to it, a bit like with the words, um, these sonic qualities and visual qualities. But it, it, does it do enough? It certainly, and that's going to have an impact on when yeah. we come to these subsequent movements. We might have a general sort of worry about these, these kind of abstract movements or geometric movements that, that seem to reduce too much. It certainly, um, it certainly calls into question his desire to... Um, to make a kind of great synthetic whole um, with meaning so thin that you could probably have the same stage design for two or three different plays. I mean, it, let's try and be a bit more positive and, and a bit uh, fairer. It's a bit at that there, time. Yeah. You know, this would be a novelty. Sure. To have such intense stages and these huge moving uh, stage machines. You know, I joked about it at the beginning by calling it. Yeah, what is our renewed stage? It's this colourful, noisy turnstile. Um, you know, that was my pithy uh, comment on it. But to actually see it, it would be a spectacle. It would be a spectacle. And so perhaps for a lot of people, you know, even today people go to certain gigs and, I mean, look at the s- psychedelic movements and things like that. They love that, that the colour, the motion, the shapes, and mm-hmm. they find that incredibly expressive. I mean, people. Of what? Who knows? But I sure. mean, people drop a load of stuff and suddenly start yeah. seeing all sorts of things in that. Sure. When sober, not so um, much. But I think I think expressionism though is is the 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 real deal version of this. Mm. Is a bit how I see I it. Even agree. though people still find expressionism to be elliptical. Um, I do agree. <laughs> complicated, difficult to understand. That characters are more types as opposed to um, being kind of fully fleshed. Um, people we could recognize. Well, I, I, do, I want to add because you know we, we haven't. But yeah, it's a mix of concrete and abstract. Yes, yeah, is what characterizes that style. We, we haven't directly mentioned the the phrase that he uses. He starts talking about you know the, when when the, the area or your fear of the the loss of the actor eventually, uh, or at least the actor being subsumed by something else. Um, he uses the phrase gas actors. Mm-hmm. So this is what he's because he's talking about the fluorescent lights, and so that's the color that would replace the actor, or could potentially replace the actor. Or you could certainly have plays without animated actors that are just these inanimate colored lights, mm-hmm. uh, these kind of kaleidoscopic plays, and now producing we've... bizarre noises. Sure. Um, but I, I wanted to actually reflect on that because we think that okay, yeah, the closest we can sort of imagine to something like that might be you know the, looking through a kaleidoscope, the Pink Floyd gigs, etc., etc. But uh, also, uh, he, he starts talking about the the relevance of the audience. That the audience could even become part of the action, and they sort of go, "Wow, <laughs> that was my my pithy comment." Mm. But yeah, that, that, that they actually become more involved. This is a big step. Uh, and there are modern things, you know, later theatre is huge with it. You love, uh, of course, um, the theatre of the... Or interested in um, uh, things like uh, the... Uh, oh dear, what's your what's the guy's name? It's escaped me now for the moment. I have absolutely no idea. Of cruelty? Theatre of cruelty, there Ar- we go. Arthur, yeah. Yes, and so having this relationship with the audience... Mm-hmm. And okay, so there's this pantomimic quality, and even today, I mean, things like Unburnt City, which we saw. Burnt City. Was it Burnt City? Yeah. Oh, I'm thinking, I'm getting confused with Elliot, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, 
but yeah, Burnt City, where actually you move around and you never see the same play twice, as it were, mm-hmm. uh, because you can see the uh, things in different orders. Well, some would say you never see any play twice. Twice, yeah. well, yeah. indeed. But I was thinking, okay, the the, the coloured shapes in that they haven't really. There are no gas actors. The closer we can get to that is stuff like you know these lighting rigs, and maybe with like a Metropolis backdrop uh, and maybe a contorting stage. But the loss of an actor, let's think about that. Are there any actual... Maybe he was wrong about what would re- could replace it, but think of, first of all, cartoons. Sure, animation. Okay, you've got the voices, CGI, but then you can take a step forward and just start to then think of something like the uh, AI mm-hmm. actor. I mean, think of when, like, uh, in some of those Star Wars movies where once the actor died, they then had, like, a computer-generated... Sure. Uh, version of mm-hmm. them uh, with like an automated voice so can you actually have theater and dramatic expression without an actor as it were perhaps we've got examples today hmm so uh, it's worth thinking about maybe the nature of some of that you know the cgi it's interesting, and interesting. ai generated um art. i think if it's uh, if, well i mean if it's ai generated i don't think it's expression Mm. At all, I, I think it's not. Well, that's a debate for another I time. Whether a, that you need to have a human intention. Yeah, I, I just I think it's just a, a kind of colossal waste of everyone's time. Um, even though more and more of our time will be taken up by it, I'm sure in the future. Um, but yeah, I, I find it t- completely maybe uninteresting. It maybe it can't be art because it wouldn't be artificial. It's not artifice. It's not created by us. But could you draw a parallel between mm. that and say the natural world? People look at a beautiful view. And they say that, you know, there are aesthetic qualities to it. You could then argue that maybe AI art could exhibit the same things, but it'd be closer to something like a natural rather than an artificial thing. Um, not quite, um, because it is not natural. I mean, it, if there is such a thing as a distinction between natural and artificial or man-made or something, the uh, AI stuff is more a kind of pastiche, right? Um, it is a pastiche as opposed to... So it is, it is made from human stuff. Um, it's a kind of weird looking collage type of thing but if it produces what we detect as aesthetic qualities um, it yeah. seems to be more akin to yeah, something like a beautiful view mm. a nice landscape wonderful sky yeah but one of them is, is, is maybe worth looking at the other one eh whatever but no that's my intuition that's my intuition towards it I find it like a big big fat pointless but shiny yeah. object I just wanted to think about what sort of relations and whether there is anything akin sure, to the I gas mean, actor and thought, um, yeah, maybe to the gas wrong actor? about that. Oh, yeah, I mean, eventually, you know, you're going to have films or entire worlds that are procedurally generated that you can traipse around in and have interactions that vary infinitely every time and are probably yeah. manifold colours and interactions and whatever, but eh. Do they have this dramatic so expression that Trampolini is after? I would say I, yes. No, I don't think they can. Um, I think they would love that sort of thing. I think that that would be perhaps an ultimate expression yeah, of machine sensibility. You're probably right. I think yeah. that they might really like that sort of thing. But it's also not machine sensibility, right? It's more like it'd be more like it'd be more like a set of set of um, dramatic moments. I don't know words concatenated one after the other of pixels mm. um, chosen in an optimal way to entertain you. Um, that's what they would be. Mm. Chosen in a... Yeah. But yeah, no, what yeah. did you think? I mean, it's, it's 
interesting thoughts. We were quite disappointed with his final thing. We tried. To I think. Be as nice I think. To, we can, to be to be kinder to it. Um, it is still fairly early that he does this. Yeah. Um, and so perhaps those other movements had not yet um, fully expressed themselves when he was making this. So they're starting to make inroads, but he still sees something more radical. Um, but what he substitutes, I, I don't find very compelling. Yeah. Mm. I, for me, I would just summarize the, the, the really good points that, that it generates as really do spend some time thinking about what are the properties of the stage and how they relate mm. to uh, uh, the this dramatic synthesis, your the theatre overall, mm-hmm. uh, and then also um, really about what the purpose of theatre is, and he seems to have this very quite expressionist uh, thought. I'd say those are the two key thoughts that are really worth taking away and contemplating mm. after this, rather than his specific theory. Mm. So uh, you told me a little earlier on that we had received an email. We have received an email. I've not seen this. We have received an email. Oh dear. Um, for, uh, well, since we've received this, we're thinking now of uh, beginning a questions uh, uh, letters segment of the uh, episode at the end to uh, give you, dear listeners, a greater idea of the group of people that listen to this podcast. So the first question... Um, and how does they email? It's at G... <laughs> it's nice, nice. Yeah, it'll Very be smooth. in the description, yes. It will be, yes. Um, it's manifestimagepodcast.gmail. The manifestimagepodcast.gmail.com. Podcast. Manifest podcast. manifest podcast. manifest podcast. manifest manifest podcast. manifest 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 uh, my least like favourite, I mean, I've not seen all of them or read all of them, um, but of the ones that I've seen, uh, I'd love to say that uh, my favourite would either be Brand or Ghosts, uh, which I No, but le- least favourite. I know, I know. Uh, the least favourite, <laughs> probably the one that I actually saw live that was recent, um, the John Gabriel Borkman. Mm. I saw that... Um, uh, they had it on late 2022 um, and it was great Simon Beale uh, fantastic but and it's his penultimate play I believe mm. it really didn't work for you it didn't hit the spot I'm sure. too much of a fan of a lot of Henry Gibson's other works and perhaps if I read it I would be able to spend a little bit more time thinking about it. But it did leave me a little cold. It's still very powerful. Mm-hmm. Again, very symbolist, expressionist, uh, you know, has these weird dreamlike elements to it. But my gosh, um, <laughs> it, it wasn't a patch on... Uh, on the, I, mm. I like a little bit more theory and sure. heavy-hitting stuff, and I, it just wasn't... It wasn't as much. And there we are. We're going to finish up there. Thank you so much for joining us this week. Uh, next week, we will be turning to look at the Forbes. Thank you very much. <laughs>